Hello, podcastians. Welcome to Attack of the 50-Foot Podcast. I'm Allie. I'm Robifer. I'm trying to think of a city yes. name for podcaster. Podcast. His name is Cameron. Podcastoids is where I would go. Podcastia. Oh, oh, a city. Yeah, like a city, like a, like a secret city, like Lemuria. Like Lemuria. That, that's no nope, wrong podcast. Where they all do podcasts, but none of them listen to anyone else's. It's just a city of unlistened podcasts. Okay. I'm on to something here. <laughs> it sounds like something that someone would pitch to like the Black Mirror executives while drunk. <laughs> that sounds like something they would take while drunk. <laughs> <laughs> all right, everyone. So focusing up, uh, we watched Fantastic Four. Which we have hilarious been, hilariously been foreshortening to fan four stick. Because, because that's what it looks like. Yep, because of the idiot way they designed the poster, just like the idiot way they designed everything in this movie. Everything in this movie looks like they went with their first instinct and no one corrected them. Yep, and there was about six people that did that and then they just slapped it together. Yep. Okay, so this is the fourth... Fantastic Four movie, kind of the third official one. Are they all canon though? Um, Prove they're not. I I guess you can't. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, Roger Corman made one in 1994, which didn't get made, but and then was we incredible. got it was incredible. It was it so was much amazing. Uh, I definitely recommend if you like cheesy things, go try and find it. It was never officially released. We'll do an episode on it eventually. Oh, I, I want to. So you we, have it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Is it in Blu-ray? No. Oh, well, it's You cannot <laughs> technically buy this. You can buy Birdemic in Blu-ray? Of course you can. <laughs> it costs like 70 bucks. Ew. <laughs> really? Yeah, that's what Jason said, remember? He bought the Blu-ray and it was like $70. No. Yeah. I wouldn't pay 70 human so dollars. He's so stupid. I wish I was kidding. Yeah. Uh, okay, yeah. So this is like, yeah, like you said, fourth fantastic Four movie made, so four fan four stick. They really could have done something with that, and they didn't. They put a giant four in the middle Just of the word. in the middle of the word. It God, still bothers me. The way they cut off the word is fant four stick, because they're trying to do fantastic, but now it just looks like fant stick. And I don't... Fant stick four. So at its best, it's fant stick four. What we're trying to say is your graphic designer sucked. Yeah. Get a new one. Can you tell we didn't like this movie based on how much we're avoiding talking about it? I loved this movie. Oh, this movie was terrible. This movie Cameron. sucked. End podcast. <laughs> we all had one genuine laugh from the movie, and I do not think the movie wanted us to laugh at that moment. I laughed at a few parts I that I wasn't supposed to laugh at. Okay. This movie is kind of like being tied to the back of a car and dragged across a road. It's not fun. In that it's all. occasionally funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Great analogy there, Cam. Cam is the best. Can I analogies. read the quote from Please do. The from the trailer? So this is so this is Dr. Stormy Frank. Uh how did we get this far? Human beings have an immeasurable desire to discover, to invent, to build. Our future depends on us furthering these ideals, a responsibility that rests on the shoulders of generations to come. But with every new discovery, there is risk, there is sacrifice, and there are consequences. Okay. okay. 
That doesn't give any information. It doesn't set a tone. That's not even what happens no in the movie. No one sacrifices anything. No. That's what they put in the trailer. So. And am I to guess from your, like, hilarious garbling of the name that it's Benjamin Franklin who said that? It's Dr. Franklin Storm. It's the, oh, I'm it's sorry. A quote from the character. The movie starts with a quote from a fictional in-movie this character. This says the trailer. I still don't know what the movie starts with. It doesn't say. Uh, okay. That's... Do you you want to hear something else from the trailer? Dr. Storm, we gave you six years and billions of dollars, and you gave us nothing. What's different now? This, and here's Dr. Stormy Frank replying. Reed Richards. He knows answers to questions we didn't even know to ask. And we found him at a high school science fair. Yes. All right. For, for real, though, we should get into what this movie is. So it is a collection of superheroes based on a comic book of the same, of similar name. And because it's Fantastic Four. But it's not fan-forstic. It's not fan-forstic. Uh, but it's based on the comic book. Um and it is a group of people that are changed because of extra dimensional slash interstellar interference, depending on where you go yeah. with the story, uh, depending on which universe. Uh, Usually and, they're astronauts and it's cosmic radiation. Right. And they, you have uh, the Human Torch in the original comic book, right? He's a guy who says flame on and he turns into a flame. Uh, he can fly because of that. Um, you have Reed Richards. Um, he can stretch himself. Very stretchy. Moss stretchy. Mr. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Fantastic. And then you have, uh, is she, she's the invisible woman. Does she ever go by Miss Fantastic? No. No? Sue Storm. Yeah, Sue Storm. Uh, she is Johnny's brother who is the human torch. Or sister. Wait, what? She's, she's Johnny's sister. Is she uh, always Johnny's sister? Always. Yeah. Really? Always, always. Oh. Yeah, Johnny uh, Storm and Susan. Yeah, and then she always marries Reed. Always, always. Yep. So, uh, and then you have the, probably the best name, most artistic of them all, The Thing, mm-hmm. who is just uh, Ben Grimm, who is a, he becomes a rock man. How? <laughs> well, we'll this movie that. explains it very uh, well. Yes. And Best why canon. and how and how does he survive and what's he made of on the inside. <laughs> it really delivers on not telling you enough. Uh, <laughs> but that, that's the basic gist is they, they're like part of a scientific experiment and they get these powers developed because of their interaction with radiation. Right. Uh, and then but that's not where this movie starts. Is it? it doesn't at start at the fun part. Because uh, nope. as you know, like as a storyteller, right, you're supposed to start. With the most boring thing. Uh, which and then is, do the whole first half of the movie as something we really don't give a single shit about. And then get into the movie we wanted. So, the beginning. It's a dumb cliche because it starts with a quote and then it starts with narration over a troubled high school teenager. Being berated by a teacher. Yes. Being shamed for liking science. And the one thing I would like to uh, talk about is... Uh, this kid is writing equations in his notebook, but he's writing them not, like, on the lines. He li- He's writing them diagonally up and down in every which way, and he's writing equations over other equations, yep. which is how you know he's smart. Yep. He just has so much knowledge, he's just slapping those maths down on the paper. Yep. Exactly. And it's, um, I don't know, some kind of job assignment. What do you want to be? What's a realistic job you want to be? And our, I put massive quotes around hero. It's like, hero. I want to be 
a scientist. I want to learn how to teleport stuff. I think it's possible. I want to be the first person to invent a teleporter. The, yep. uh, the assignment was to pick a realistic career goal, like the kid just before you who wanted to be Eli Manning. <laughs> I want to be a football player. Yeah, and it's like, you know what, Tommy? You're going to do that. And the only other thing he knows about Eli Manning, besides the fact that the man exists, is what his salary is. He makes a lot of money. But this this movie gives us exactly what every fucking movie with this type of story gives us. The nerdy outcast who no one likes. He's the weirdo just because he likes intelligent things. That is not how that always goes. Nope. That is not a real life thing. Mm-mm. For some reason, it has seemed to be like adopted into every movie universe, and I don't understand I feel why. Like that's not even a thing anymore. That's like what today's I don't think kids either. don't deal with that. At, like I don't know. You might, I could be wrong. Here, here's the thing: but, is people will be like, "Well, I did." Some people do, right? Some people do. Sure. I mean, that's but none of us. Everybody were, deals with different things, though, and it's not something geniuses. It's not something running <laughs> rampant. Um, so after we're introduced to, uh, science kid Reed Richards, who's being, once again, berated by his teacher for wanting to be a scientist. Granted, teleportation is a bit out there, but you know what you say to that is, you know what, good job, Timmy, I'm sure you are gonna do that. You keep trying to do science. Encourage children? What? (laughs) What's that? That doesn't happen. Uh, I'm a teacher in a movie. I'm here just to bully the I'm here to ruin your fucking life. If if a kid, if like I was a teacher and a kid was like, I want to be the first person to like teleport somewhere. My only response would be, I bet you're going places. So moving on (laughs) from this very beginning scene. Wait, no, I want to say that. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, are you sure you want to double down? Because that one hurt. Uh, well, I do want to say it sounds, this is one thing that's going to be consistent is it sounds like this kid in this scene, he's like reading lines off of a card. That's what it sounds like. It sounds like there's someone in the production holding up a card and he's just reading all the science facts that the producers found five minutes before filming and that that's what they're using for the scene. Uh, everything in this is very stagnant. It's something that is consistent. It's going to happen in every scene pretty much where someone just doesn't seem like they are actually, like, like incorporated into a real story. It's they stagnant feel... in, like, a lot of ways. They're like, like nobody really does anything. Like, there's no movement in the scenes. There's no emotion. Oh, you know what it feels like? You remember in, like, the early 2000s when, like, green screen and computer graphics were, like, all the rage? Mm-hmm. But, like, it's basically just somebody standing on a blank, empty set like with no nothing around them and just like reading lines that's completely disconnected from the world. That is how these characters feel emotionally. Yep. Yet they're still standing in a, like a classroom setting or a junkyard. They're in real places yet they all seem so They don't do anything. I'm just reading. Ah. Yep. It's like watching 10-year-olds at like perform a play. That's yes. kind of what it is, but it's like that for the adults in this as well. Yes. It's it doesn't get any better. It starts at a point, and I don't think it ever really gets higher. Maybe like one point in the film that I get slightly interested, but we'll talk about why that didn't really work later because it it doesn't. Yeah. So yeah. the next scene that doesn't really matter is um, turns out Ben Grimm is also in Reed Richards' class. And he uh, lives at a junkyard, and his family 
is the most violent family I have ever seen. The, <laughs> the first instance of the thing's catchphrase in this movie is, oh God. Uh, <laughs> is during an episode of domestic violence. <laughs> Basically, this older brother who's like, I don't know, 20, something like that, says to his 10-year-old brother, it's clobberin' time, and proceeds to start hitting him. And yeah. then enter the mother, who proceeds to start hitting the older brother. <laughs> I know. It's, it's... it's a really poor representation of, like, honestly... Anything family Look life. Look at how broken his life is. It's oh no, so maybe hard. these two like people who are being ridiculously bullied by everyone around them are going to bond. And see, so they do. See, here's the thing though. This is why I'm not allowed to write these films because like the first moment because we're about to see Reed Richards meet Ben Graham, right? Mm-hmm. Is like the first moment Reed meets him, he'd be like, like, how has your night been? He'd be like, it's Ben Graham. <laughs> Really? Did you just think of that and you had to stop our conversation just to fucking say that? How do you cope with this? I mean, you guys are on two podcasts together. I only get this occasionally. You're damn right. <laughs> I just want to say these thoughts run around in my head all day and I don't tell people. Moving you don't tell on. People. Not always. Moving on. What do we have? We have a mouse running around in the junkyard that Bingham's family owns, right? Which is Reed Richards. He's the mouse. He's just literally scurrying around in the darkness. Your analogies are getting worse <laughs> and worse. I think it's the alcohol. Stop drinking. <laughs> He's had per- approximately half a can. <laughs> Going a piece uh, of pizza. Okay. All right. So moving on. Uh, young Ben Grimm comes out to investigate a noise made by uh, a creature very much larger than a mouse and in no way mouse-like, which turns out to be Reed Richards. And he's there looking for a power converter, which is just one of those, like, great little vague science things. A power converter. There's a lot of it. That sounds like science. Yeah, no, it converts power. What more do you want? Yeah, like, for what? Who cares? It's just power. And and Ben Grimm's like, you know what? I think I'm going to help you, and... And they, they find one, like, miles away. Yeah. Right? And then they drag it back, and, like, what did we say it looked like? Oh, no, it 100% is a transformer yeah. on a power line, like, on a telephone pole. Yeah. I would like to take this moment to quote one of our characters, though. One of our genius scientists. Because you guys are saying, well, they're using simple science terms, right? Okay? I've got a rebuttal from uh, Mr. Uh, Stormy Frank himself. Right, the doctor slash father of two of the characters later on. Uh, he says, you know what Albert Einstein said? If you can't explain it simply, you don't understand it well enough. Why go through all the hullabaloo of naming something when you can just say power converter? Right? You know what? I agree with you, except you're defending this movie. <laughs> So, on principle... Yeah, shut up. (laughs) I'm just saying they wrote that into the movie. So, anyway, they wheel this uh, uh, power line transformer. Are they even wheeling it? Or are they just, like, somehow ridiculously strong and dragging the shit across It's probably hollow. It's not a real thing. Well, I mean, like, in this world. Yeah, no, exactly. They're supposedly, these two children are dragging a ginormous... 
power converter. Easily the size of the children. Yes, across town, with nobody noticing them in the middle of the night. Not only this, though, but I mean, this really shows shows that like Reed Richards is a different type of character than the movie wants to portray him as. He's kind of just someone who's running around stealing shit. I mean, like, that's all he's doing. He obviously has to be. But what is he stealing shit for? A it's teleporter. his own little teleporter. That he built in a garage that I can't really tell if his parents know about or not. Did they know it was there? Yeah. They seem to, like, begrudgingly allow this. Was it in a garage or it was in, like, a back shed, right? I, the I difference like is important. Can I just say that this is kind of, though... <laughs> I think this part is realistic to the point that the parents don't know what's going on. There is a real life situation where this happened where a young boy built a nuclear, a a small nuclear reactor in his parents' shed. Yeah. That actually happened. He almost killed a lot of people. He is doused in radiation and like his parents didn't know. So redoing this and not being caught actually kind of makes sense. I will say that. I know I'm defending the movie. But that part makes sense. What doesn't make sense is that one of his power sources is a stack of Nintendo 64s. Yep. Yeah. That's what he's using to run the math. That I can only assume he stole from many smaller children. Yeah. Since we know he steals. Right. (laughs) And also, okay, let's like try and think about this. Assuming the movie is actually set um, when it came out, which was 2015... Um, this has to have been like 10 years earlier. So 2005, where did he get that many N64s? Was right. it from the same junkyard? Do people just throw away their N64s? I don't think they would. I call bullshit on that logic. I still own my Nintendo 64. Yeah. So I don't think that would happen. It either goes to a Goodwill or it stays in a box. So we got it at a Goodwill. Just a lot of dedication. I still am willing to bet he stole it. Maybe we he found see... a pile of them at a Goodwill and just was like, yep, this can, is going to do the math. Can I just say, we <laughs> don't see him ever earn anything in this movie, like, legally. He steals everything. Even later down the line, we'll get into some scenes where he's, like, hiding or whatever, and he's still stealing shit. Yep. So he's just kind of a kleptomaniac. Yes. Yeah. He's stealing stuff even when he doesn't need to. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so, so they're in this garage. <laughs> yeah. So he introduces Grimm to teleportation device. And this is the first time that he's going to like successfully power it up, if I remember right. Yeah. Yeah. And he puts like a little matchbox car on the platform that's got like these two like Taurus horns like right over it. Yeah. Um, one little thing that I liked is they actually bothered to like wrap the little horns in like spools of um copper wire which is just like oh you know what i appreciate that a little production touch that seems sciencey yeah no that's sciencey (laughs) science e the 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 last syllable is very important (laughs) so Um, so he turns it on the car vanishes and in its place is a pile of red dust but also all of the lights turn off in America? Question mark? The area? <laughs> he shuts off a lot fair. of lights and people get upset about it. And yes. his parents are like, read! And they get all mad and it's like a sitcom. Yeah, exactly. And it's then, almost Beethoven! And then that's it, right? And then we jump to high school? 
Yep. Yeah. We jump to, and I put, oh my God, I wish our listeners could see me as I do this. I put the biggest quotes around <laughs> high school. Miles Teller, who is excellent in movies such as Whiplash, is a high school senior barf. No. <laughs> yeah. And it cuts quickly to this high school senior scene. Very strange. Like, I mean, it's very much like teleporter, knocks out neighborhood, suddenly high schoolers. And then yep. all of a sudden, these two are like lifelong friends and they've been working on this forever, even though the other kid, Grimes? Grim. 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 I don't know why I thought Grimes. Um, it it's has tough like, on dirt. They like make it very clear that he has no knowledge, right? Yeah. And. I don't know, understand how he helped at all. They don't even seem like they're friends. No, like not Miles really. Teller is basically being I'm not gonna call him his name. <laughs> um, Reed Richards is basically saying, like, oh, Ben, can you uh, turn on the thing? Can yeah. you put the car in He's its like place? He's like a grunt. Yes, exactly. Treating him like, oh no, you're the underling here. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're both aware that I'm the smart one. But and you he, live in a junkyard. But it's always like, I couldn't have done this without you and other cheesy bullshit lines like that. Yeah, when we don't see any of that, nor do we care. So this is like one of the best parts that we mentioned at the beginning. Uh, they're at this high school science fair. High school okay? science fair. Shit where you put like vinegar and baking soda in a clay volcano and go, ooh, science. And you get an A, Okay. This kid apparently built a mini teleporter and brings it. These two kids. But it's just the one kid. You know, it's just Reed. Okay. And they fire it up or whatever. He comedically takes a stupid airplane from somebody and sends it over, right? Mm-hmm. And, and then these big name scientists show up randomly at a fucking high school science fair. Yep. Because apparently this is where they go to look for new talent. And it's it's not clear whether they knew about these two kids already and came to get them, or if they were just there looking for smart kids. Yep. Oh, Um, we don't have any real work to be doing today. No, let's just see if anybody's got a brain that we could use for space travel. Yep, and they're like, oh my god, by coincidence, you're working on the same thing we're working on, except we haven't been able to get anything back, and he's gotten back, like, some dirt. But the thing is, too, is that they had also gotten back dirt. No, 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 but this is my favorite thing, speaking of that, is the kid actually, both, like, both groups here, both parties, say, you can send things there, but nothing ever comes back. They say that. But there is dirt. Oh, yes, but dirt does come back. Dirt always comes back, whether it's with the object or not, because that time they did finally bring the little toy plane back, right? Yes. But they also brought the dirt that's on it back. That is matter. Dirt is matter. Yeah. And it came back. We weren't able to bring anything back. They did it. But you did. But they say that they didn't. And, like, Kate Mara, Sue Storm, we haven't said that yet. (sighs) It's the Storm family... Is there Daddy right. Storm, Doctor Frankie Storm, Stormy Frank? Yeah, uh, we've got Kate Mara, which is good old Susie Storm. Yep, good uh, old Kate Blank Piece of Wood Mara, <laughs> wig wearing. Uh, and then we don't meet uh, Michael B. Jordan until later. But <laughs> he's in this. He is. Uh, he, he is, is in this. Uh, yeah, I, I still just 
There's a lot of things about this scene that don't make any sense. Everything. Nothing that Why? they say add up, adds up. Why are any Why of them there? Why anyone is there <laughs> adds up. And it, it leads into something that doesn't make sense. They go to the Baxter building, which is canon. That is where the Fantastic Four work out of. It's kind mm-hmm. of like their science headquarters. But they're not the Fantastic Four yet. No, they're not. Oh, God. <laughs> they're not until the end of the movie. The v- literal fucking last second. And when we get there, I will puke. What? Co- collectively. <laughs> yeah. So the Baxter building is the like, science headquarters where everything... But they make it seem like it's a, also a dorm of a college... Yeah. So there's a confusing moment what we're talking about here is there's a very confusing moment where after we're introduced to the Baxter building, we see Grimm flies there with Reed. I'm not sure why, uh, because then Grimm just kind of fucks off to nowhere. I don't... They, like, go to a hotel. He literally goes back... Right, yeah, and then Grimm just goes back to the junkyard. Yeah. He doesn't go anywhere else. He's, like, worthless in this. Yeah, because Ben is his manservant, basically. Right. Yeah. Like, who am... I'm not going to carry these bags. Do you know how much science I know? (laughs) But, so, they're sitting here, and then there's this awkward scene that we go into where Reed is in a library, right? And this is one of the most confusing scenes to me, because, for one, I'm not sure why he's in the library. He's kind of just picking books off the shelf. He just pulls books off the shelf. And as somebody who works at a library... Mm -hmm. Okay, he goes down multiple aisles. That's going to be a bunch of random fucking topics. But that's what he, they even show that, though. He's picking up, like, fiction and nonfiction. Like, I don't know if they're just trying to show, like, look how smart I am again. Because we all need to see it 50 times to oh, make I sure. Oh, I need these eight books for tonight. This is my light reading before But then, like, bed. so he talks to Sue in the and library, that's right? the thing is we come across Sue Storm. But he leaves all the books on the table. to be there. He does indeed. <laughs> he doesn't even take them with him. He but, just pulls all the books off the shelf. But let's not skip the weirdest part, because that's, no, yeah, that's a no. end. I'm just saying he leaves them there. Yeah. But the weirdest part is the fact that we don't understand if this library is a part of the Baxter building. Because it doesn't look like it. It looks like it's part of a college dorm. Or if they just happen to show up at the same time in this library. Yeah. And they just happen to come across each other in this weird interaction. Very they go to the same school, but also work together at the Baxter building? But, but they don't do go they to the same school. Yet? That's the thing, though, is she's like a scientist at the Baxter building. Oh, so that's she's the, the oldest? In theory, that's what this film makes it look like. It seemed like, I guess. And she's not in the high school. She's not in high school. You know, that's this reminds the thing. Me of, this reminds me of Spider-Verse. You know, when Gwen shows up randomly. And I was like, oh, I'm also a spider person. What? No, they explain that. Well, I know, but I'm just I, saying it reminds me of that part where she's just like there and he's the weirdo and, you know. I, I do I, get what you're saying, but I don't want to denigrate I, I, spider no, 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 I will no. not I will I'm not saying even it's good. compare. I won't even compare. <laughs> I've seen that movie four times. It's amazing. Oh, yeah. It's so good. You know what, guys? Uh, turn off the podcast and just go watch Into the Spider-Verse. <laughs> don't do that. Wait just till we're done. On. Uh... But, so they meet in this library, they have a conversation where it looks like neither one is talking to the other, uh, which happens a lot in this as well. You have a lot of lines in this film where I don't think they were talking to anyone. I think they did a lot of single shots and there was no one on the other side of the camera. And then they just kind of threw that together as best they could. Uh, yes, and I think that might be from, and we'll we'll get into this later when we talk about the 
plagued production of this movie. But this oh, yeah. movie had a lot of reshoots, like forty yep. percent or something so ridiculously much. high. So a lot of these could be just we couldn't get the actors back. That's <laughs> that's fair, and and so like they're it's it seems like they're putting together like a Frankenstein's monster production here. But he after they have this weird conversation that seems to not matter, it doesn't seem to go anywhere. She has this really weird quote in here where she talks about like. We, I remember, like, we were talking about it when she said it because we were like, that's going to come back. That's a plant for, like, a payoff later, right? Uh, it's something about, like, yeah, here it is. Uh, she says, music is just a series of altered patterns. The musician creates the pattern and makes us anticipate a resolution, then holds back. Makes you wait for it. There's patterns in everything and everyone. This seems, it's a, it's a monologue moment where we're focused on her, and it seems like after this library scene, that is going to come back at the end as an important piece of life. Doesn't. No. It's never never mentioned. It never fucking matters again. The type of thing it's talking about doesn't matter. It doesn't exist. It's not important. Patterns don't become important. It was probably in the original cut. Yes. Most likely. That that is... um... Somewhere out there, one of the movies that this movie is a collection of several, (laughs) um, one of the movies ends with, right, patterns, that's what we gotta do. And then somebody runs over to her keyboard and slams their fingers against it. I'm in. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so, but he leaves the library, he leaves a stack of books, Uh, maybe he read them already. I don't know. He's just that smart. smart. Uh, The readiest of Richard's. Uh, <laughs> but, okay, that one was good. <laughs> uh, but where do we move on from there? Uh, so next we get introduced to Victor Von Doom. Doom. Who is doing something, a trope that I hate in movies. So the smart guy, the guy who's so smart, other people can't even work with him. He's so smart. He's doing 13 things at once. He's like playing a first person shooter, coding on three different screens. He's got like a Google Glass eye thing on and like watching daytime television. He's doing so many things at once to show us. He's he's so smart. So smart. Everything with his brain. And that's an important thing though. He's not controlling shit with his hands. His hands are like behind his head for half the scene. He's like just resting back. (laughs) He's not controlling any of it, but he has like this but stupid little setup on his head. But it that I hate hate to say this. He's very smart. It's a plant for the payoff later. I I get that. I feel like you're being very generous. I am. I'm being generous, but it is still there, regardless if they intended on doing it, regardless if it was an accident. <laughs> it is. A plant and payoff in the end result. Yeah. But I feel like it's an accident. He's supposed to be typing, and then he chooses that moment to be like, and why should I help you? And puts his hand behind his head. But like, still the going. monitors are still like, he's still playing the shooter. But he's he's playing Assassin's Creed at one point. Oh, that's what it is. And he's doing very well. I was, I was <laughs> not even focused on their conversation. I honestly don't even know what the fuck they were talking about. I was so focused on the Assassin's Creed screen every time it popped up. I was like, how is he winning? That's 
You know what irritated me with this scene? At the end, um, Dr. Stormy, um, he goes, and clean yourself up, Doom. And that, like, this whole time, this dude does not look dirty. He's got long hair, you know, like. He needs a shave. He looked dirty to me. Down to his chin. He's wearing, like, a t-shirt, a pair of (laughs) slightly ripped jeans. Maybe a little, like, could use a beard trim, like you just said. Maybe. And, like, I did not. He just looked like a normal dude. If the word dingy had a face, it'd be him. That's, well, clearly that's we have two different, I'm gonna two agree different visions on with, this. I'm going to agree with Stormy Frank here, who, again, is Dr. Franklin Storm. That's the last time I'm going to say that, but just so people know who I'm talking about. It's the father of Sue Storm and Johnny Storm. Yeah. Well, uh, why are we even describing this? For, for all of Savage Planet, we never even said their real names. Well, that, I'm calling him Stormy Frank. That's not his real no. name. No, that's so why do you need close. to describe it? I just want to make sure people know who I'm talking about. I'm talking Figure about the genius scientist who needs high schoolers that he meets at random science fairs to fix his teleportation project. Meanwhile, he does nothing. He stands behind windows and gives thumbs up. That's yep. that's his whole character. Yeah, and he also half gives motivational speeches. Like, he walks right up to the point of saying, like, with great ability comes great consequences. Like, it's it's almost there, but he doesn't do it. Nothing he ever says comes back. Nope. But here, the whole the whole premise of the scene where we walk into this random warehouse that Doom just happens to be living in, there doesn't seem to be a bathroom in sight, so I have to assume there's a bucket in the corner somewhere. <laughs> like this this is the type of like environment that he's in. And he's just been eating Cheetos and drinking Mountain Dew and all this shit. And playing Assassin's but Creed. the whole premise here is that they cannot finish this project without him. Even though by the end of the conversation, Doom says, no, I'm not going to do that. And he says, well, then we'll do it without you. I don't know a phone call. You could have just been like, do you still want in? No. Then we've got Richards. That's perfectly fine. <laughs> yeah, we didn't need this at all. He also could have just been still working there. And if anything, ooh, this could have been a, a chance for some character conflict. Maybe he's working on it but hasn't been able to crack it. So he doesn't like the new guy. Well, he yeah. does call, he is handed a drawing of Reed Richards' idea of a teleportation device. And he says it looks like a child drew it. And that's where the Albert, Ooh, uh, that's where the, uh, the Albert Einstein line comes in ah. that I read earlier. Uh, that's when the doctor says that. It, because he ta- you know, they're taking the simplistic design because the producers do not know how to draw something like that. So they're just, you know, they just drew a circle with some squares. And they were like, just throw in that line. Yes. And it'll make us look better. I would also like to point out, not to brag, I'm in engineering school right now, studying orbital mechanics. You cannot, the the concept of, oh, you don't understand it if you can't explain it simply. That's That's complete and utter nonsense. That's not true. (laughs) Explain it simply. You can't. It's like... (laughs) It's two different objects moving at different speeds. There's eight different ways to measure everything. And it's not like, oh, you're dumb because you can't explain it simply. That seems like the opposite of true. I feel like I could come up with simple analogies for things. You can come up with everything. Landing a rocket on the moon is like flicking a marshmallow underwater. No. Oh, (laughs) no. Oh. (laughs) Oh, God. I felt that one. (laughs) You mean it just dissolves? <laughs> what? <laughs> no. That's wrong in so many... Like, 
First off, there's no <laughs> other object you're landing on. Second off, the medium of space. To Why am I even refuting this? To land on a reef. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Oh, now that you... I want to ask, part. have you ever gone scuba diving and flicked a marshmallow onto a reef? Can no, you say it's exactly it not the same? <laughs> yeah, no, that would get, like, it would get just immediately soggy. Your finger would, like, just, like... Puncture it. Oh, do astronauts not get soggy? I, I misunderstood. <laughs> oh my when, when god! When you explain it like that, oh my god, you're breaking me. <laughs> so the oh, movie, no. where were we? Uh, so we do have a conflict here, though. We do have a character conflict, uh, and it is it is the fact that we bring up how Sue the dot. So. Uh, oh, how Doom and Sue were a thing. Doom and Sue, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, good old Doom and, and Sue. he calls her Susie, and she's like, "Don't call me that." Yeah, that happens later. But he he only goes to work on this project because he hears from uh, Stormy Frank about how Reed is like working closely with Sue. Yep. That's what pulls him into the project. Yep. The only motivation he has is girls. Like, yeah. And also, I'm sorry. Kate Mara, I'm assuming, is a great actress in things that I have not seen. But, oh my god, they could have, I swear, just put up a 2x4 with a frowny face on it and gotten the exact same. Oh yeah. I'm going to use that saying from now on. They're an act, They're a great actor <laughs> in things I haven't seen. <laughs> I'm sure they are. I'm sure she's very talented. She did not bring that talent to bear in this movie. She has zero chemistry with anybody. With anybody. her father, with her ex-boyfriend, or wherever the fuck he is. Well, she's adopted, brother. so maybe she just feels left out. Not with her brother, not Heartless. with Richards, who she's working with, with nobody. She's like literally, like you just said, a fucking two by four with a frowny face. Yeah. The whole fucking time. So what do we have? We have Oh. Stormy Frank walks away. And now we get the most boring race of all time. Oh my god. Where we get and introduced the, to Johnny Storm. The best cliche where the badass kid, of course, is the legitimate son of the very smart guy that runs a professional business. Yep. And so he's drag racing and they're all like, ha ha ha, <laughs> look at racing. your car. Your car's a piece of crap. It's not gonna do uh, miles. <laughs> it doesn't do fast time. Yep, it doesn't do fast time. That's better dialogue than what's in the film. <laughs> oh yeah, no. It's we're we're struggling to come up with stuff because everything is text. There is no subtext. It is just I am going to beat you in the race. No, I am going to beat you in the race. Really? Well I then, press, let's race. I press pedal, drive fast. <laughs> I wish that they had just gone that route, honestly. Because, like, they explained so much. Like, I want, like, when Johnny Storm's, like, driving, I want him to be like, turn now. Turn. Turn. Break, turn. Swivel. <laughs> <laughs> and then I want him to make the, like, the tire screeching noises, but with his mouth. Scream! <laughs> well, and here's the thing is, we see the flaw in all of these people, right? This is one thing that the movie does do, is we see the flaw how Ben Grimm is, like, the really tough guy, but he gets beaten up by his brother. Right, that's his main quality, but we see that he's not always the best at it. Reed, he manages to make a teleporter. He also knocks out like an entire city's worth of power at least. Um, and later, it's mentioned that he almost destroyed the planet with it. That's yes, he almost created a black hole because something yeah, because be science. Yeah. Oh no! Put enough magnets together, you guys. You can make a black black hole. hole's gonna happen. Let's do it. 
He we just needed about, like a couple more N64 controllers to. We've got like ten fridge magnets. Let's like let's. That's do why this. I won't buy any more. Yeah. <laughs> Don't want to break the universe. Oh yeah, no. I mean, what if your fridge turns into a black hole? Then what are you gonna eat? What yeah. are we gonna eat? But so so we have Ben has shown that not he's not the best physically. Like he can be beaten. That's what we see early on as a kid, right? Mm. Reed is shown as having flaws. He doesn't think things completely through. He just kind of jumps into things and watches as they explode around him. Yep. We have Doom, who's too much in, like, he's too much up his own ass to do things properly. It's too cool. And, exactly, he wants to be the cool guy. He wants to be the egotistical idiot that solved everything himself. He doesn't want a team. We see uh, Stormy Frank, who has a bad relationship with his son. So we see that he's not the best father, which in turn makes him not the best leader of a team. Then we see Johnny Storm. And in the scene with the drag racing, Johnny Storm has built this immaculate uh, speedy system. Let's just call it that. And In a Honda Civic. It's <laughs> uh, <laughs> speedy Honda Civic. But speedy Honda Civic. And we see that it works, but then it breaks. Proving that he, as again, he's kind of one of those people, he's too much up his own ass. And he's too focused on himself to sometimes take help from others and fix things properly. Which is where he comes in later and he becomes more like an assistant to read. So we see their flaws. And this movie does that intentionally. It does show, probably, it does show their flaws. Uh, Maybe originally. But what happens to good old Michael B. Jordan here? Um, His car spontaneously catches fire and he crashes um, in a very, very boring way. Very boring. Um, Into a pole curb? Right? Yes, exactly. He crashes head on into like a lamppost or something. Yeah. And uh, later, like immediately after, rather, uh, he's being brought out of the hospital by his father, and all he's doing is wearing a sling. He's yep. fine. I don't really get how you would have injured your arm in that. I don't even think he was really wearing it on the correct arm either, because he would have crashed to the left because of where he was sitting in the car. And if I remember right, he was wearing it on his right arm. Yeah. I don't know what he I, did to his right arm. He's also wearing it for approximately one minute of movie time. What I want to imagine is and that he's gone. That, is that after he crashed, he stepped out of the car, slipped on a banana, and fell on his arm. Oh, unrelated injury. But I will say, now, there is something that I love about that driving scene. It's really just a little Mario flower that's hanging from the mirror. <laughs> he gets the fire powers. <laughs> Come on, guys. Blame on. Um, you know what? Yes. Uh, shout out to whatever intern was working with the production designers that day who was like... Who snuck into the car and was just like... Hanging around the mirror Beep. is one of those... Uh, if you've ever played the old like Mario games, like it's one of those like flower power things where he gets like the fire like bouncy ball powers and it's just hanging off the mirror. I loved it because it would have been good in a real movie. Uh, that's... Yes. <laughs> If there had been other things like that, this is, like, the only instance of that. Like, Ben Grimm doesn't have, like, rocks hanging from his bag or anything. Uh, <laughs> no, but his brother says, it's clobbering time. It's, it's clobbering time. Can't uh, say it. It's clobbering time. All right. <laughs> all right, so no, after the most boring race ever, um, uh, Dr. Scientist, what are we calling him? Frankie Storms? Stormy Frank. Stormy Frank. There we go. Either um, or. Stormy Frankles. 
Stormy Frankles. <laughs> I like it. He's Stormy Frankles. Okay, Stormy Frankles now. It's like, you know what, son? I'm tired of you messing around. And uh, you know what you're going to do is you're going to come also work on this super secret project. We can't do it without you. We also can't do it without any of the other people, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> so, uh, Pep talk. Yeah. Begrudgingly, Michael B. Jordan agrees and shows up just so that Victor Von Doom can have, like, mm, almost a racist moment. Like, oh, just so close. He's a neo-Nazi. Yeah. They don't say he he is, is, but they are implying... The original director, Trank, who is still named the director on it, but we'll talk about this later, he was definitely implying in some of these scenes that this dude is a neo-Nazi. He's he's a he's an oh, yeah. incel. That's what he is. Yes, absolutely. This guy like is on the red pill subreddit. Absolutely. <laughs> as he's doing seven other things at once. With his mind. With his mind. Including beating Assassin's Creed and performing perfect counters. I was watching the footage. Okay. Some now of the Now that is some neo Nazi shit. <laughs> uh but yeah, so we go so this is where like you want to talk about that drag racing scene being like the fastest, slowest thing ever. This Scene. So once we have our team together, they start building the teleporter from the ground up, basically. Mm-hmm. Whereas there, I want to tell everyone this is not. So if you haven't seen the movie, uh, and I recommend that you do not watch it. Uh, it is, it it is not just four people in a room building something with uh, Stormy Frankels. It like it's watching from the behind. There are like fifty at least at a time building this thing and they don't get any credit no and they don't get any powers later either maybe we don't see it at least uh but i like to think like one guy got merged with the wall panel but he just can't leave it and just no one knows he's there it's just like han solo but like eternally (laughs) oh god someone pulls off the paneling to like redo the interior one day and he's just there he's just like kill me Somehow oh I don't need to eat anymore. Well, I'm just immortal. Do any of them? <laughs> we'll get to that. Oh my god. Uh, but yeah, so this is the... I I don't know how long it takes in terms of movie time for them to build this. Because it, it feels seems like, like we watched this... No, I'm talking about in terms of like us watching like runtime. Oh. Because I feel like we watched this these scenes for like 20 minutes. Either way, it was but too But I feel short. like it definitely took place like 10 minutes in like throughout the movie. It, it was... It's one of those montages that it somehow happens over such a long period of time showing you nothing that it just exponentially exacerbates the boredom. Yeah. Where I'm like, oh, wow, he's really welding that random piece of metal that doesn't look like it's going to fit anywhere in this machine. And then cue time-lapse fading consistently. And there's also weird... We're working hard. (sighs) There's weird little, like, inner cuts of two characters like two of these people like having a moment or whatever but none of these moments ever make any sense it's like the library scene all over again where they're just kind of like talking at each other with no like conversation and i will say grim is not a part of this remember we said four yeah, people he just working fucked on off this. To nowhere yes. four people are working on this grim has no story at nope. this point the story is the machine that they're building and they're building it to what? They're it's built to fit like four people, right? Yes. Total. For because, you know, the movie's called Fan Stick, so it's gotta fit four people. So the word four needs to be used as much as possible. Exactly. Uh so 
let's so they let's let's go through like unless do you have something to say? Yes, there are uh, there's two things that happen kind of back to back in this montage that um, made me want to barf. <laughs> uh, basically, in a gambit to be like, oh, look at our hero and the heroine, like you know, talking with each other and flirting. Mm-hmm. They have so much chemistry together. You mean zero? Um, none, none at all. Negative twelve. Oh my god. Thousand. So boring, just the worst. But um, basically, we find out. Oh, you know what? This is the one thing that I do like. Um, Kate Mara is the adopted daughter of um, Stormy Frankel, and um, and is uh, adopted sister of Johnny Storm. They sort of did a reverse there. I I actually kind of would like to take a moment and say, you know what? You guys did a pretty good job. Like, having it done the other way might have been a little weird. Well, yeah. And, like, what I do appreciate is that they definitely, like, explained the backstory there, too. Like, we got to know who she was throughout the adoption and, like, as a child, right? But no. Oh, that's right. That wasn't in <laughs> no. the movie at all. No, it's, there's one line yeah, where she basically says... Like, yes, they adopted me from Kosovo. And uh, Miles Teller's like... Wow, you don't have an accent. And she goes, Don't I have an accent? <laughs> it's she's oh, goddamn ch- Count Chocula for a second. It's so awful. And then at this point, they're, uh, you know, sharing this little laugh between them. And uh, Victor Von Doom storms in and is like, Hey, 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 Stretch Armstrong, get over here. Or uh, Richard Reed, get over here. And he's like, Hey, you're being really unprofessional right now. And Miles Teller's like, what the fuck are you talking about? He's like, you should be working. He's like, yeah, we're done. We're already done. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, then what the fuck are you doing? That's that's my favorite Yeah, we're done. Because Doom has, he doesn't know. No. He doesn't doesn't know. He's been working on this with them. And he's like, what, we're done? Uh, Like, Like, you had no inkling of an idea. Thank you for reminding me of that. You had no inkling of an idea that you were done? Yes. Or that you were even close? Yeah, like, what he, the fuck were they doing? Like, if you cut together the scene where Doom shows up and then Doom says, what, we're done, basically, you wouldn't think you missed anything. No. You would think no. he showed up and they were done. That's how much that section of the movie doesn't matter. Yeah. he He's not very important. I also just, I love his passive-aggressive beta male, like... Hey, it's not right for you to be talking to that girl. Mm-hmm. I well, don't that, like that's, it. That's, yeah, that's because he's like, it's my girl. Even though I don't think they have like, almost, they have almost no dialogue together. Nope. Doom and Storm. I have to assume. Don't call me Susie. That's right, literally it. I have to assume that there was more in the original cut of the film. Could be. And again, we don't have access to the original cut of the film. No one fucking does. So we don't know what actually was there completely. But we can tell that there are scenes missing. Also. Kate Mara uh, gains a, <laughs> what I can only describe as like, like curled Jessica Alba's hair, like just like slightly like curled. No, um, oh god, I knew <laughs> this is gonna be a real deep cut for those people out there. I apologize, but look this up. She is wearing a wig occasionally. This is in the reshoots that makes her look like the Long Island medium. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh. Yes, exactly. Um, look it up. We'll try and post it somewhere. Oh, yeah. But it's basically, it's this wig that seems to be improperly put over her, 
like normal oh. hair, so it makes her head look about twice the size. That is the most apt oh description yes. I've I ever fucking heard. <laughs> That's amazing. Here's the thing: yes. is her hair actually like? You, let's go on a fashion for a minute. It actually looks good. Her hair looks not the wig. Her normal, her normal hair. hair looks good. Yes, it's got like it's not perfectly straight or anything like that. It's also not one color, but the wig is. Yes, it is one fucking nylon blonde. Coloration, inhuman, like, God, like nylon is the exact right term. It seems like a material, yeah. not human hair. Right, and I want to. I want people to know that it's not that they cut and they use this in some scenes. It's that they will use it in back and forths on the dialogue. You There's will like see random it. little intercut bits where she has normal hair on one side of the conversation. They'll cut to like read to for a response and they'll cut back to her and then she has the fucking wig. Yeah. She's standing in a different room. The lighting is completely different. And the wig. It's so clear. It's so bad. It's so it's, stupid. But all right. So that is a good point. And, and this th- is a big budget movie, friends. Yes. This is something that was supposed to be like. A big, like, superhero release for Marvel. This was, or for Fox's Marvel. Well, yes, but it's still Marvel. For, I mean, we're talking about the studio that's putting that was putting together something with things like Deadpool and their X-Men movies. And they can't even do reshoots correctly. And Come on! And Fan was supposed to have multiple movies. It was not supposed to be a solo outing. I mean, no studio makes a movie to fail like this either. I mean, that's not how that works. No. Uh, unless you count the 90s Fantastic Four. They made that to fail because yes. they wanted to keep the copyright. Yeah. Uh, but that that in itself is what makes that Oh my beautiful. God, you guys. They don't even have powers yet. We. <laughs> That's the thing. All right. So going from Doom being like, what? Uh, to we go to their, them testing this teleporter. They're finally going to test it for the first time ever. Uh, and they... They set it up. They put a monkey in there, mm-hmm. right? One monkey. One singular monkey. In a thing that has four chairs. In a thing that has four chairs. I feel like you could have sent, like, a monkey, a raccoon, uh, one prisoner. <laughs> <laughs> and you send the one astronaut that can actually do something. Just No, not an astronaut. <laughs> All the rest of those are expendable. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even say what the prisoner did. So now I'm going to say that he stole an apple because he was hungry. Okay. It makes you look like an asshole. So instead of sending Jean Valjean through to the other side of the interdimensional portal, they send a single monkey who, spoiler alert, does not come back with powers. Don't get it. But what happens while he's there? Uneventful. That's the interesting thing, right? So they send this there, and what do we see? Footage played live from another dimension. They can somehow, they can't send stuff through. Oh, God, no, that's a huge deal. No. But they can somehow breach the barrier and broadcast across. Live, and like immediately live. Yes. They don't, they would have at least been smart to be like a week later or something like that. Like they're just waiting just for footage the still. Footage back and they're you. trying to see if they can get it back. But no, no, they get from another dimension. Yep. And that's we're talking interdimensional, guys. This is not another planet in this in space. That's not how this movie describes it. I got it. a question. This this makes what? me think of a different movie. What's that movie with that chick and she goes through like she they build a, a pod, a space pod, right? And they send her through a portal 
and it seems like it goes through in one second, but she goes to another planet for like days. It's from like the 90s. Are you sure that wasn't just like an acid trip? <laughs> no, 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 it's a real thing. It's like one word. Your stage whisper needs work. <laughs> I made sure to like hold my hand like this so my voice still got to it. <laughs> Uh, um, you know what? That the that sounds familiar. It's I a don't... '90s movie or '80s, and it's like I want to Google it. Keep talking. Okay. Uh, yeah. So they 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 send back live second to second fucking broadcasts, mm -hmm. right? Um, oh, which um, by the way, I I would also like to really interject here for a second. Um, everybody puts on sunglasses during this test because you know radiation, right? Yeah. Um, but all of their sunglasses are of different design. Yeah. I noted this. Every single one looks slightly different, as if they were like, "Hey, a bunch of production design companies, like, let's do, uh, let's have um, everybody like submit a concept, but instead of actually hiring one, they just put the concepts on everybody." You see, I feel like it was like a bring your own sunglasses to work day because we're testing this. Contact. Okay. <laughs> From 1997. Yeah, we got there. Oh, right, because she... With Jodie Foster. I knew, yeah. I knew her face. Oh, my God. That movie is bananas bad. <laughs> yeah. I love it, but it is... <laughs> There's a hilarious bit where a terrorist blows up their machine, and then they're like, you know what? It's a good thing that I secretly <laughs> built another billion-dollar yeah. machine. Oh, it uh, just makes me think of that whole thing where, like, she goes through the portal, right? And they have footage of it, which is how they prove that she actually went somewhere else. You know? Mm -hmm. So, like, they didn't broadcast anything. They, she had to bring it back with her. Right. Yes. Well, and again, that's the movie Contact. Everything we just said is the movie yeah. Contact. Uh, that's what they should have done with the monkey. Yeah. Okay? That was the point I was trying to make. But that's what make. doesn't okay. happen with the monkey. Uh, it, instead, this thing just, like, it, again, like, it, also the radiation part to me. So, when they send out this machine... Is everybody standing behind protective barriers? Is everybody secured? No. no. They're oh, no. sitting at desks directly in front of the damn thing. Yep. Some of them are like literally right next to With it. With sunglasses on bring your own glasses to work day as we And they described. don't even have like earplugs, but they go cover your ears. <laughs> yes. And not everyone does. <laughs> no. Nope. But they and never say why. Like, I mean, I don't know, like a dozen feet away from this thing. Maybe. I like it's experimental engine throwing around energies that, oh my god! Like I'm sterilized just thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, everyone in that maybe that was their power. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you guys can stretch and turn invisible. I just can't have kids anymore. Superpower. <laughs> Oh, God. Okay, so they successfully get the mon monkey back, and they're like, hey, um, bankroll guy who, oh, I should have looked his name up. He's in a bunch of Coen Brothers stuff. Got a little rat face. Um, yeah, he's got a little rat face. <laughs> he's Buster Scruggs in The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. He's in The Incredible Hulk. He plays a scientist who gets some Hulk juice dripped on his head, and his yes. head turns big. Yep. <laughs> That and you'd never see him again. It's what? Um, that's canon in the regular Marvel universe, though. What the fuck? Yes, yes it is. <laughs> um, it's the um, 
Edward Norton. There yeah, we go. Edward Norton. I was going to say Edward Banner. I had combined it. Uh, yeah, he did such a good job. I combined the two. Okay. Well, that little side trip aside, um, he shows up and is like, great, good job. Um, we're really impressed with what you did. And now we're going to turn it over to NASA because clearly that makes sense. They're trained. Yes. You guys are a bunch of scientists. We're not going to send you through. You just left high school. Right. I'm pretty sure we'd need to get your parents to sign a permission slip. They haven't even left high school technically. We don't We don't know. Yeah. If they're in high school still or not. A few of them at least. Yeah, exactly. And I would like to uh, point out Miles Teller is like I don't know, 32. <laughs> Like, Playing a might, high schooler. He might be older. Yeah. He it's, might be older. This is like a big problem in movies anyway, is when like full-grown fucking adults that look like fucking adults try to play 17-year-olds. It's yeah. fine in some no. cases. Charlize Theron did a great job in Arrested Development. <laughs> but. Oh, my God. Wow. Okay. She, that was a different story, man. She wasn't supposed to be a kid. Yeah, she was Mr. F. Um. All right, moving on for those of you who don't remember that bit from a television show that shouldn't have come back. Mr. Um, F. (laughs) Stop it! (laughs) Okay, so um, they're all like, what, man? That's whack. We disagree with your uh, assertion. I don't, like... Holmes, did we just get into the 90s? We're that going is exactly back. what they said. But it's just so it is basically bad. It's so boring. It, I'm just desperately trying to spice it up. No, it really <laughs> is. And and that's the thing is like it is the scene where it's basically just hormonal rage. Like that's yeah. It's teenage hormonal rage. And what do you mean I can't go to the party this weekend? I want to go to the uh-huh. planet party, man. There's never been another one. I really There's want to do There's also radiation and Meanwhile, meanwhile, Miss Mara is not invited to the boys' club. I hate this about this movie. Yep. Her character is just cast aside for this boys' frat moment where they decide to go drink out of a flask. They all get drunk. Yes. They all get (laughs) drunk off of, I would really like to stress this, a very small flask. It's teeny tiny. Like, Like, maybe a couple shots of alcohol. Yeah. It it seems like one of those things that, like, a real cool guy would have attached to his belt buckle. Well, yeah. Doom is a pretty cool guy, uh, yeah. and he's the one who had it. And yeah, and he's sharing it with them, but there's, there's quite a few maybe, dudes there. Again, there was production interference here. I like to think, alternate history, that there is a scene in this movie that was cut that was not shown in the audience where they go, what proof is this? And he goes, it's Doom proof. And that's... That's stupid. I think it's in the movie. I think Moving it was in on. the original cut. They get drunk and they're like, why don't we test this now? You know what? We know how to, we can get in it. We can make it work Yes. from here. And then all of a sudden we find out they have a remote control system for this, but that's a different story. Why in the world would you build that? Exactly. Uh, if only for this one instance. So they don't need anyone there to set it off for them. Yes. But what they do, <laughs> instead of calling Sue, you know, who's there and worked on this with them, uh, Reed decides to call Grim. Yes, finally. Who is fucked off to wherever and is like, I need you here, man. This is our thing. Even though, like, he didn't build it with him at all. And that's the thing. Yeah. Is and then he gets there. Yep. Oh, he shows up. He shows up randomly. In like an hour. I have to assume that while they made this seem like they had actually flown somewhere special, that the city was actually right next to the suburbs that they lived. Yeah. It's hard to not assume that. The movie doesn't explicitly state it. 
I'm gonna just say that we're smart enough to say that that has to be the case. Yeah, like they live in New Jersey. They grew up in New Jersey or something in the Baxter, Baxter buildings in Manhattan. Yeah, I mean, it's it's gotta be something where it's like right there. Cause he gets there in like an hour. Yes, and then maybe. But, but thank God that they have suits built when they weren't gonna send anyone out. Yes, that suits fits them built. perfectly. Oh yeah. That, yeah. yeah, well, I mean, obviously. For four full grown men. It's one size fits all, even though they're all different heights and all the suits are too. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, they, they all get together, bro moment. And of course, Ben is the muscle, so that's why he's going to go too. I, I'm still confused about the Ben thing. What I want to know is why wasn't he just incorporated? Yes. Because it's not why hard he to just... be an astronaut too? Reed could have just had him... Literally, Johnny Storm, when he first shows up, Reed's like, can you help me weld this? I feel like Ben could have Growing been up a on welder. a junkyard? Yes. I'm sure he knows how to fix cars. There's probably no have way weld he doesn't know how to weld. Yeah. Like, come on. I'm well, sure when his mother killed his brother by too much violence, he <laughs> welded the coffin shut. Like, I'm sure he's done it before. Good God. Alternate history. Uh... <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, it's, they could have made him something with, oh, you're really into mechanical engineering. I'm into the theoretical physics side of it. But no, we needed to make sure that everybody knows that Ben is dumb and Reed is the only smart one. But he's also not tough. I don't see why they didn't like, I mean, they meet when they're like little kids, right? And he supposedly gets, gets grim into science. So, like, why doesn't he learn anything over the 10-plus years? Nope. He, like, you would think, like, as a child, that young especially, would be like, wow, science is cool. I'm going to start learning about this stuff and hang out with my friend who knows science and learn it. But some for some fucking reason, he doesn't. Because it's learning time is not nearly as cool as a catchphrase. <laughs> it really isn't. Uh, I do want to say, though, I want to compare something here. And I want to watch these movies eventually and talk about them on, on this podcast. It's like a special two-parter. Do the, the Fantastic Four and Rise of the Silver Surfer. Uh, I would love to do that. But uh, what was it? Michael Chiklis, right? Yeah. Who plays the original thing. Or not the original, but like in the, you know, the 2000s version. The most popular. Uh, yeah, the most popular one. Uh, the bright orange uh, styrofoam one. He looks like muscle. He looks like he's someone who would be Reed's muscle, someone who would be Reed's bodyguard. He's also not an idiot in that movie. Yeah. He yeah. is an intelligent human being. He's, he's a, scientist. a scientist. Yeah. He is a scientist. He's just a different type of scientist, which makes sense. And, and this, also strong. This kid is very thin. He doesn't look like the muscle for anything. He pouts the entire film. Yes. The and only time he smiles is when he gets the text from Reed. Yeah. I think there's an unrequited love thing going on here. Oh, yeah. The producers might have cut that. That's also what I'm wondering. Is no. if there's like something going on there? Right. Like a little something, something? Yeah, no. Yeah, but... Love is blind? <laughs> uh, but yeah, so they get in, they get in and they're going to remote activate this. And when they remote activate it, what do we have happen? Ugh. <sighs> So they go through to the other side, and they're like, whoa. And they get out. Yep. And walk around, they and get they got out of a the flag. Tubes. But our invisible woman, who's not yet invisible, but she is to them, uh, plant payoff. Come on. They don't. They, they kick her out. She becomes invisible to them. She feels left out. Oh, don't make shit up. I'm yeah. not. That's in the movie. It's chronological. No, it, it literally it happens works. like that. 
She's behind the invisible ceiling. I get I, it. I think there are things here where they did things by accident. I don't... I. It's hard to assume that everything was done by an accident, though. I think they have to have had some things be correct. Uh, but I, I think some of that has to be, like, intentionally done. Right? Yeah. I, I have to say that. And I don't know which parts are. I don't know if that part is. I don't know if... Uh, like all of their mistakes that they've made earlier in the film or the plants. I don't know what they're doing intentionally. Uh, maybe they aren't doing any of it, but she feels left out. She gets a notification that the machine has taken off. She's the only one who gets, the who gets a notification yep. that the machine just went out. There are hundreds of people working on this. Not least of which her father, the head of the project. Right. And the military, like the government, who now owns it. They don't get notified. Just her. No one notices and except And it's all up to Sue Storm to save their manly butts. Oh, but I'm always cleaning up after you boys. <laughs> now, they get to the planet. And this planet... It's just gorgeous rock and green goo. Yep. Very similar to Savage Planet, but Savage Planet had trees. Yes. But this is only rocks. Um, They get out and are like, wow, look at that over there. There's even more, like, green glowy stuff. Hey, you know what? Let's, like, walk away. down. Yeah, like, rappel down a cliff face. Yep. Uh, And they brought climbing tools. You brought climbing tools. They also didn't know where this thing was going to land. Here's another thing is they don't get to coordinate where this thing lands because they don't know what the the terrain of the planet looks like. They land, happen to land just a few feet back from a cliff. Yep. I would have liked the movie better if they had landed... On the edge. On the edge and, and, and like had to like everybody everything. was running to one yes. side. Oh, and that would have been a neat little set it piece. It would have been better. <laughs> it would have just been more interesting. You couldn't run least. to one side because they were in pods. But then when you send And then it, Doom could have fallen off instead of the other bullshit that happened. But here's the thing is if you do that, then then when, when the machine falls, it breaks a little bit. That explains why when it comes back, we have chaos. Because it's not completely working properly anymore. But So anyway... Yes. What anyway, actually happens, they which re- is not as exciting. <laughs> no. They rappel down the cliff and are basically get down to the bottom, walk a little ways further because that seems smart. Um, and Towards they this glowing come to shit. like, it's, I can not describe it as anything besides like green lava, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think one of them tries to touch it. Like just that goddamn idiot. Because they're science. Yeah, yes. my note says, oh, let's touch goop. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so... And they're like, oh, no, wait, somehow it's agitated. Oh, boy, we got to run away. So they start running away, and the green lava sort of, like, keeps breaking the ground behind them. And this was one of the parts that just made me throw up my hands in agony for the logic, is they get back to the climbing gear, they start climbing up the rock face, and at the same speed, the green lava just continues up the rock face. Yeah. I can understand, like, oh, there's a basin of the green lava and, like, the crust is breaking or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's, like, it goes inside the cliff and just starts breaking the cliff face? What the what the hell is going on? It's a foreign planet. I think I know why. It's a foreign planet. Don't owe me. I think I know why. <laughs> Here's the thing. Goop, no explode. When goop not touched. Goop explode when goop touched. Goop living bacteria. 
Oh. Conglomerate yeah. of living bacteria. When it's touched, it's agitated. So when it's agitated, it's like this huge colony that is spread over a planet. That's what that was it's supposed to be? It's not accidentally attacking. I thought about this for a while because it seems... I know a lot of movies do that, like, coincidence. It's that it's that plane flies below the frame, flies back up, right? Like, survives type of, like, cliche. Mm -hmm. But the movie does it differently, I noticed. It does it in a way where it's everything that the goop is doing is very intentional. Very intentional. And I think uh, later somebody does say, like, they saved me. Or They talk about it a little bit. And I've got some quotes, like, I'll read off later from it that kind of do talk about that. And I, I, it did take me a while to, like, kind of think about that. And whether or not that's correct, again, I don't know. But there has to be something in this movie that they did intentionally. Because <laughs> otherwise, I don't can't know what's real. only be accidents. It can't only be accidents. It... Uh, okay. So, so, uh... Doom falls behind, and like a bunch of assholes, they just kind of leave him. Yeah. There's not a lot they can do for him. True. To be fair. He falls into the green goo, and it and sort it of envelops him. him. Yeah. And that's another reason why I think it's living bacteria. I think, because they even say earlier in the film, we didn't talk about this because it doesn't seem like an important line until you talk about this scene. Uh, they say that... Uh, it's kind that this planet will give them the answers to the origin of Earth. Oh, they do. I missed that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Our uh, Doctor Stormy Frankels says it mm. early oh. on in the film. I forgot everything he said. This is like a proto Earth, but in a different dimension. That's what they're saying because what they're transporting to is they're not transporting to just some random planet. They're transporting to a planet that's in the same positioning in a different dimension. That's what they allude to. So this is like bacteria that was living, but it's a very basic form of life. And that's kind of the idea, at least, that I got from it. I also sometimes try and read into things to understand them, which is why when we were watching Neil Breen, you guys kept eye-rolling me. So We'll talk about that later. Neil Breen will be a different segment. If you don't know anything about it, get ready. So the rest of these assholes make it up the cliff, right? Right. And they, this is, this is where it happens. This is prime stupid right here, guys. Prime stupid. That's a good phrase. Um, so they, they, what is Sue, what's the problem here? Why does it have to take off? What is she saying? Like, she's trying to get them back, right? Yeah. And they're clamoring to get in, into the pods again and shit's going down and fuck, dude. Johnny gets in his and shits on fire. So that's the thing is we see like and them things are like individually happening to them that seem completely <laughs> stupid. What happens is is they run back to the ship, they get in, their pods won't close properly because the ship is falling apart because of the cracks. Which again, I still think is the bacteria. I think it's living one living entity attacking the ship. Okay. Uh, but what it does is it attacks and it can't their all of their pods can't close properly. So because they're not closing properly, they're all affected in different ways. Meanwhile, Susie is trying to uh, she's trying to bring it back because the remote function has been disabled. So they yeah, cannot bring themselves back. That's what I was asking you earlier, back. and you didn't answer. Yeah. Well, that's what that's what happens. Uh, and then what what starts the fire on Johnny, I believe 
is the Magic. writer of the script. <laughs> <laughs> I, t- I think that's as far as it goes. Yeah, so Johnny's on fire. The, the the window of his pod breaks, and it just which somehow yes, like a flamethrower through the face slit just catches him on fire. Yeah, Inferno, Johnny Inferno, out of nowhere, and then bends. Uh, wait, wait, the, the... wait, wait, wait. Let's save that one for last. Okay, all right. Okay, what's the other one? Well, no, Ben's happens next. Oh. Well, yeah, because so also... If we go in chronological oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. order okay, no, 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 that's right. Yeah. It doesn't happen to him until later. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Ben's is the best. Ben's, Ben's is the best. <laughs> what is Ben's? <laughs> um, the door to his pod won't close. And I would just like to stop for a minute. I would like to remind everyone that this was a major Hollywood production that people <laughs> watched and were like, yes, let's release this. So what happens is... Ben can't get his door closed. It keeps bouncing open like a screen door. And (laughs) um, some poor PA has to take a bucket of styrofoam rocks and just sort of chuck it at him. Just chucking these styrofoam rocks at Ben Grimm, who's just sort of lying in his tube as they fall on him, just sort of generically screw. Ah! He's got like ah! a random rock pile just ah! falling on him. This you. is one of those moments where I would like to explain, listeners, that we are not exaggerating the idiocy of no, this scene. No, watch this. He is literally, he has rocks tossed on him from off screen to the left. Falling. Yes. They literally Some, no. They somewhere. literally are thrown up. No, no, no I know. That's, That's the problem. Saying. Like, is there an earthquake? Is this an avalanche? Like, what, what the fuck is going on? No, it's you're looking at just the physics of it. It can only be one person tossing a bucket. Like, imagine throwing a bucket of water. It kind of makes a straight line. Mm-hmm. Um, They're not even like craggy rocks either. They're like these weirdly spherical like yes. rocks. Perfect and it just, rocks. It just doesn't make any sense. But that they literally hit him. And stick to it. And like, yeah, it like the door closes after that. And it, like his his pod is full of rocks. Johnny's is full of fire. And I guess Stretch Armstrong is fine. Right. So, he's fine. So he's the only one that's actually worked. And they get transported back. Right. So that whole scene, I just want to say what I wrote in my notes because I feel like I wrote it better than the screenwriters. I wrote big planet scene. You brought climbing tools? Question mark. And then I wrote, oh let's touch goop. Geyser explode. By Doomy Doom, Ope Rocky Road Ben. Because that's the whole scene. That's, yeah. yeah. And then when they get, so they get teleported back, right? In and, a big explosion. And then it explodes. Okay. Lots of extra radiation gets transported, I guess, back to the lab that they're in. Uh, this affects now Richards and, of course, Sue. Right. Is there. She was there trying to bring it, it. back. And like we said earlier, the desks that they sit at to control this thing are literally like maybe. There's 10 no feet protective away. barriers around this. It's machine. just a desk. Yeah. And so she gets hit with radiation, and they're all like, "Oh my god, what's going on?" Blackout. Oh, no, not quite. The last little bit. Um, this is actually the single point where the movie starts to get good, at least for me. Um, the next like maybe five minutes, I enjoy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> high praise. Um, uh, 
So Reed Richards gets out of his tube and he's crawling towards someone. He's like, oh, I see. Oh, no. Probably Sue because, you know. Wasn't it like he could, he, could hear, he could hear Ben saying something like, oh. help me, right? Yes. Okay. It could have been that. He's like, but I'm it's crawling towards my friend. I'm crawling. I'm crawling. Wait, hang on. And he turns around and looks behind him and his legs are super stretchy. They, they're they pinned underneath a, a rock fall like yeah. 20 feet back. And his entire body is stretched. Yes. And it's like a horror movie moment. Like there's yeah. like a shrill violin upstreak mm-hmm. and then black. Now let me ask you. We see the origins of the other people's powers because even Sue, she's hit by the teleportation. Like she's hit by like the actual waves that it's putting out. And they say mm-hmm. that she's phasing in and out Which of is, visibility. Right, she's phasing in and out of visibility. So she gets those powers from that. That makes sense. There's what? rocks. That makes sense. In There's fire. The absolute. That makes sense. Did he fall on a rubber band? <laughs> what happened? How he get stretched. To Richard. What happened? I have a theory. Okay. If you give me, I'm going to have a cam moment. Where I'm just going to start blindly speculating and uh, get offended when you all don't agree. That's what's up. Okay. Yes. So, um, he's normal. He gets a dose of the radiation, but, like, nothing's happening yet. Um, We had talked about this at the time. We're pretty sure that the two, like, of the four people, two people are caused by the planet's. Like, they get their powers from the planet thing, and then the other two get it from the transport gone wrong. Yeah. Um, Sue Storm gets it from the transport, and so does Reed Richards. He gets a dose of it, too, but doesn't do anything yet. But he gets pinned and is like, mind over matter, like, no, I need to get to my friend. So that in that moment, his body is like, cool, I will help you get to your friend. And the legs start stretching because in that moment, that's what he needed. So this is like metaphysical shit now. Yes. <laughs> I would agree if it wasn't for the fact that none of them got what they needed out of something, though. That, that's the thing is that... Oh, this is complete bullshit. I'll be that's, the that's the thing. That's why, that's why this doesn't make sense. I mean, the only... It, they didn't even try to explain his. That's just like I don't think thing. they knew what to do. They're like, yeah. and he's, I don't know, stretchy. <laughs> Moving on. I'm making big leaps with my It's a beautiful moment, to be fair. One of the best moments in the film. Oh, it is kind of freaky. Which isn't hard. Again, a flower hanging from a mirror was one of the best moments in the film. So we uh, cut back to all of our heroes, again, massive quotations, are in individual cells. Um, Miles Teller, Stretch Armstrong, is laid out on a table with, like, a bunch of stirrups holding his elongated arms and legs up. It is straight-up body horror. Super horrific. Yes. Um, we see, um, Johnny Storm, who is on fire and seemingly in pain. Mm -hmm. Seemingly feeling on fire. Yeah. This Um, isn't just, like, an affliction. Yes. Like, this is... Real life. Yep. Um, this is like the this is the part of the movie that I feel like they originally wanted to make the entire tone match like this weird, creepy body horror. It's honestly kind of cool. Like I thought, it's 
like they kind of made it almost realistic. Like what would actually happen it's as scientifically yeah, if you could be eternally on fire. Yeah. Or like if you actually were able to stretch this much. Yeah, or this whatever. Is, this is not the Johnny Storm gets hit by radiation, somehow makes it back to Earth safely, and then uh, immediately knows how to control temperature fire. goes up and then he goes snowboarding and lights on fire while snowboarding creating a mini spa where he then invites not, a girl to strip down and get in with him. We're not doing that one yet. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that very vividly. I haven't no, seen that movie is, in like 15 is, years. This could have been interesting at this part. No, it could have. And yeah. so they're in individual cell, cells. Yes. Um, uh, so continue. Miles Teller decides like, oh, I think I can hear my friend. I'm going to try and break out. And so he like, shrinks his arms sort of back to normal in like a very like disquieting scene it it, mm. it like the cgi in that one bit the stretching was great because it seemed just so like oh oh no oh my arms hurt yeah um so then he gets into a um he gets into an air duct because you know how high security military uh, facilities are about yeah, like human size air ducts. Yeah, exactly. You know, Makes sense. Easy escapes. Well, yeah. um, so Obviously. so then he's crawling through and hears his friend Ben being like, "Help! Is anybody there?" And Ben is like, he's turning into the rock monster that we know because he's just a pile of rocks, right? Yes. It seems like he's stuck in something, like, trying to lever himself out. Yeah. And he's like, Reed, I can hear you. Help me. That's really strange. He's stretching through the air ducts. And it seems, again, like he's, like, leaving part of his body in the original room he was in. It doesn't well, really make a lot of He has to be sense. leaving it there. Yeah, because he's moving around through this vent, and we don't see his legs are anywhere near. Meanwhile, when he crawls past Ben, Ben does also doesn't have legs. He's a little pile of rocks with a head and arms. Yeah. He's not anything. He has like one arm. Yeah, he has like one arm. So he's just a pile of rock. I... I don't know... How did he turn into a pile of rocks? Uh, There was a pile of rocks in his tube. He became one with the rocks. But how did he turn into a pile of rocks? Four rocks maybe left with him. He turns into a pile of a couple hundred. Yeah... Like, How? I can also imagine scenes cut out where it's just sort of, like, they open the door and just, a, like, a rock slide falls out. But, like, some of the pebbles land and form a face. And he's like, help me. <laughs> like Mr. Potato Head? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, oh, my God. And then it slowly starts, like, coalescing into a human body out of that. I don't Like, there's a lot that you could do with this. The problem is they don't do any of that shit. Yep. No. They do nothing. Pretty much. Reed just sort of is like, sorry, I'll come back for you later, maybe. And crawls his way out again, uh, like an air vent that attaches right to the arts outside of this Arctic tundra that he like flops out of all of his limbs of normal size. And he's wearing like just boxers. Yep. And it's just like, all right, I'm going to strike out on my own. One year later. Can I just say... I feel like, and I don't know this for sure, but what I do know is that Grim built himself out of four rocks. So I feel like if Reed had just taken four rocks with him, he could have built Grim again. <laughs> oh my god. Toss me up one of your rocks. <laughs> I'll, bring, I'll bring you with me. Is this like a swamp thing kind of thing where all you need is a little piece? No. Or is each individual rock him? 
it's he's supposed to be entirely once he he's yeah. just a body turned to rock that's what he's supposed to be okay. that's why this scene doesn't make any sense with the rest of the film because whatever the original film's vision was is long forgotten by that point yes and we it, it's a scene that while it looks good if you take it out of context and you take it only for itself i'd be like that looks like an interesting fantastic four movie yeah i think that's why a lot of the trailers focused on that bit yeah exactly because that for some reason and for some reason, the producers did not have the same vision, but yet they showed that in the trailers, and they left some of those visions in. Which, in reality, they should have honestly just shot a new movie. Yes. That's kind of what this feels like. But yeah, yeah one year later. Again, randomly. one thing we haven't mentioned, uh, like, we're fading to a commercial. That's how every scene transitions in this movie. Yes. Is, like, we are fading out to commercial. And also just, like, timed just a little bit off. Yes. In that same way that, like, TV movies do where it's like, oh, no, this scene was, like, half a sec- second too long. Right. So we got to start the fade while this guy's still talking. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's a year later. And for those of you who are like, wow, it feels like they're not even into this movie. We're actually probably about a half hour from the end. This yeah. movie is two first acts and then a third act. Yeah, so stay with us because we are at the end of the film. Yeah, pretty That's- much. Um, we're revealed and like, God, this is so boring. Let's just barrel through it. Um, oh my God, we can make, uh, Johnny Storm is in control of his powers now. Thanks to this special suit and he can fly around and throw fireballs. Um, Sue Storm is not in control of her powers. Right. But if he takes off the suit, he loses control. He immediately becomes all flame. That is the case? Yeah. Okay. So that's what he says. He says he has to wear the suit. Because they even, they don't they make a joke about him going to the bathroom or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they, because, really? Yeah, they make a joke about that because he says that when he takes off the suit, he can't control it anymore. They say it's something about him, like, taking a shit and lighting the bathroom It's literally, fire. have you ever watched Ben 10? It's something stupid. Have you ever stupid. heard of Ben 10? He's got this stupid alien watch where he flips it and he becomes a different alien. They have those watches on their suits that help control their powers. Yeah, yeah, because he, he, okay, I don't necessarily think it's a watch. Like, I get like what you're band. talking about. Yeah, it's it's not even our... Like, he's just touching raised projections on his suit. Like, in a way that the actor is like, I'm making this choice. Not something the production <laughs> designer put in. I feel like even if Stormy Frankel explained that thing on their wrist, he would say it's a watch. Because yeah. it's more about the easy side of things. The yes, simplistic simple. explanation. If you can't explain it simply, then uh, you're not science enough. It's oh. not a watch. It does a whole bunch of things. It has a clock on it. So, so Johnny needs a suit to control things. Yes. They all and do, basically. Pretty yeah. much. But yeah. he, he needs it the most. Well, yeah, because the thing um, wears nothing. Sue is shown to be trying really hard to control hers because she's trying to learn how to levitate. Yeah. With her whole force field thing, but they never really explain how she learned she had a force field because originally they just showed that she was phasing in and out of visibility. But now she's full Sue Storm, of course. I thought they did say why she can do the force fields. Did they? No, it's just like, no. also. Oh, also, I'm having a really hard time flying. I yeah. think they explain it. Mm. And then they just do this thing where she sort of like does like a. Iron Man arms, like, out to the side, and then, like, a bunch of shipping containers move, like, six inches. Yeah. It's, it, it, that's... This almost seems to be showing that she's weak right now. Yeah. Which, uh, that's they're not doing for any of the it. men. Just saying. No, of course not. Well, because Thing is the most in control, which 
he's really just a body. And they of literally rocks. show him. Yeah, so. They show like you know the same shit they do in Hulk movies, where they show like footage of him helping the army and like beating up tanks and there is shit an like that. Exact shot that reminds me of the of the uh, Angley Hulk movie. Oh, yes, I'm probably where he is literally the same thing. beating up tanks. Yes, he comes out of the sky, jumps on a tank, and like starts punching it, and it does that thing where it, like it zooms in dramatically on him. Yeah. Oh my god, I hate shots like because that. Because those army guys really have a sense of like narrative flow. And so so they're trying to say that they've basically made Grimm their grunt now. Is he used to be Reed's and now he's basically just the government beat him up guy. I would like to say something about Suzy Q. Okay. So you guys say they didn't explain her powers. They didn't. Whether intentionally or not. There is an explanation in this film. They talk about her being able to displace energy. And what she's doing is they essentially equate it to the fact that what she's doing is she's when she's creating like those little things, they're not it's invisible so we can't see it, but what she's doing is she's like using interdimensional pieces and they're like pieces of land and shit like that. So she's like pushing them. That's how they she's explain displacing it. gravity. She's displacing physical objects. Because she's hit by the teleporter. So it's an energy display. That's how the movie accidentally or intentionally explains it. I'm not sure, but they do bring that up about her powers. Okay. Okay. I begrudgingly buy that. I guess. That's the thing. I don't really know if I do buy it. But the whole point with this whole thing is that they've just randomly jumped forward in time. Rather than actually show them learning how to be superheroes, they just are now. And the movie's going to, again, the movie ends in about 30 minutes. Yeah, so they, they have powers. You know, Reed Richards is still missing. And they're trying to figure out how to get back, right? He, is he that the goal here? He disappeared from a secure government facility that was placed deep in the mountains in the middle of winter. Well, what's yep. the goal here? They, why do they need him? Are they trying to figure out how to get back to the other dimension? Yeah, yes. the army's like, oh, well, if we can send other people through, we can get like a whole squad of superheroes. Okay. Right, it's just Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom all over again. Yeah, pretty much. Military okay. wants ridiculous means to create new soldiers. So, so they do something really weird, more like weird body stuff. We, we jump to, to Richards. Yeah. And he's like out being a refugee, right? Well, why do they need Richards? We just skipped over that. We were Do we know yet? It. Yeah. Oh, I think it's one of those. He's the only it. one who can he's help. He's the smart one. There's an equation that they're missing, which is the movie version of we need his help. Yeah. Okay. That's... So they need his help. Yeah. yeah. So they, they, we jump to him and um, he, he's like getting by, like past all the security stuff because he's like able to stretch his face into other faces. Oh, I forgot that. And he can, like, form into other people. I don't know. I've never read the comics. I don't know if this is, like, canon, but I feel like I've never seen this before. This is the amazing thing. comic book person. This is what brought up... I've never seen him do this. It's weird. Here's the thing, though. (laughs) No, I guess that's not true. I have seen him, like, reform his face. He actually did it in the original movies, I think. Not the original. That just seems like something that's not stretching... That's like something else entirely. But yeah. remember, he has no bones anymore. This is not Mansuit Marionette from Savage Planet, where he still has a skull. I was trying to remember what his name, what we were calling him for like this entire This podcast. is not this is not him, <laughs> right? This is a man whose bones are like like 
they're not even like rubber because they can just kind of disappear. He can flatten his entire body. Yeah. So he can do literally anything he wants to his body, including the conversation it brought up, which is uh, he can stretch his hair. Yeah, because the yeah. face that he puts on, it doesn't have facial hair, but then when he forms his own face back, he's got a beard, or what you could say is a beard. So I guess. this is the thing that I've never thought about with Reed Richards, and even though I've seen it before, he stretches his entire body consistently, and that has to include his hair. Can he stretch Which means his part of his power is that he got control... Of his hair. Yep. They don't address that ever. Like, no. if I did that, oh, I'm growing my hair out, never cutting it, constantly going to be like a bunch of Doc Ock tentacles just That's doing I'm gonna science. Like, I'm gonna like, my hair. Why would you hide? You could walk through the streets and pick people up and, and like, throw, throw them. them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, also, there's another little bit. Uh, before this point, um, Miles Teller uh, is wearing glasses. And then after he gets his powers, he no longer needs glasses anymore. The movie doesn't talk about it, though. They of don't. Course. Theoretically, he, like, just reshaped his own cornea. Right. Uh, <laughs> which is kind of badass, and I wouldn't have mind if they addressed it. Yeah. But they I mean, didn't. that would have been an interesting They point. didn't do any of the cool things they could have done. So I think this is about the time that I tuned out, because I was like, why the fuck did they just jump forward in time? How did they, did he choose to come back, or did they find him? They uh, find him and I think like stun him. Oh no, Ben like shows up and oh, is like. Oh yeah. Remember though, I think we should bring up fashion again because he's wearing slinkies. Yes. Oh my god, I forgot about the <laughs> slinky legs. So he, he has his own homemade oh, suit, right? And I I didn't realize that this was because he's supposed to be able to stretch, but I don't see the point of even having fucking slinkies on it. It's just to show that he's stretchy boy. It's so it's to show that he has separate parts of the suit that stretch because Slinky's gonna stretch and go back together. Though we all know if you stretch out a Slinky too much, it's not going. Back it just together. gets fucked yeah. up. That's you just, can't that's use it not anymore. What's happening? You you cry and you buy a new dollar Slinky. Are they still a dollar? I feel like they probably made them like five dollars. Oh yeah, probably. Or if they're around at all. Uh, they're around. But yeah, so he's wearing his Slinky suit, uh, Mr. Stretch here, and. He uh, he meets Grimm in the forest. And this, this is where this dialogue comes in. I do have this. Uh, so this is after um, uh, Stretch Armstrong beats up, like, I don't know, a dozen army guys with some, like, really bad CGI. Oh, yeah. He's just, like, he's flying through. And I want to say, just because you can stretch your body, Super Noodle Man, doesn't mean you have Super Noodle Strength. It seems like Reed Richards is supposed to be trying to figure out how to cure them, even though, apart from Ben, they're all fine. They're all enjoying what they're doing, and it doesn't seem like Reed was making that much headway anyway, so they uh, they bring him in, and there's a really point, another really pointless scene with Sue Storm talking to him, and, oh god, it's again, it's just everyone accusing him of leaving them and then immediately forgiving him just to move the plot forward. Like, there's mm. no... We didn't even need to do the time jump. No. All of this was unnecessary. So, whatever. You know what? Let's just barrel ahead. They decide that they're going to go back. And they send a bunch of randos, like army guys or something, or scientists. Sending them back to get superpowers. Yes, exactly. And they go back and they're like, whoa, there's somebody out there. And uh, out in the distance, you see someone um, wearing a giant green cloak, um, which, where did he get that? How did he fashion woven material? 
You know what? I don't even care anymore. Um, He is Doom. It's Doom. Oh my god, Doom survived. Um, The one little aesthetic thing that I liked about this is his body's metal, sort of, which is a Doom staple. But what it is is the, the suit, like, melted and fused onto his skin. Yeah. Like, I think Which that was a cool idea. I like the idea of, but I also hate the way his stupid head looks. Yeah. It's, like, unbalanced with his body. It's ginormous. Yeah. And the mouth thing is dumb, because he can talk, but it's got, like, the breathing mass formed over him, so he has no lips anymore. Oh, yes. No, but you can see. Oh, you can see them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can see his lips. They don't move. But they don't move. But he talks perfectly fine. Yeah. So he zaps back after killing all of the... Yeah, after feigning being injured. He, oh, that's what it he's was. Like, he's like limping. Yeah. And then he just suddenly out of nowhere just massacres them. Yep. Which, this is the beginning of the last 15 minutes of the film. Yeah, because at this point, even the screenwriters are like, okay, I'm bored. Let's just wrap this up. Yeah. I mean... It's one exactly of those things where you're running like. out of ideas and you're like, I need to just move on so we can write the sequel. Yeah. That's... And that's how this feels. I mean, he so he then teleports back uh, at no control of the people who run the ship. Yeah, which no. I'm still confused about. And then he just starts brain popping guys. Yeah, that's yeah. one of my favorite parts. This is though. where it gets like really horry again, where he starts like destroying people, and he's like blowing people's heads up with like his psychic powers. So, f- and for, yeah, for anyone who is who knows anything about Fantastic Four. You know that Doom doesn't have the ability to control all matter. No. Now, what he has in this movie is the ability to control all matter. He can literally control literally everything. Yeah. There is not a single everything. type of matter he cannot control. He can turn rocks into complex machines, I yeah. guess. Yeah, exactly. And so he's like just destroying everybody in this. But for some reason, he doesn't destroy any of the important characters, of course. Nope. Um, and and what all is of this is for the vague reason of, this is my planet now, and... Uh, you guys aren't gonna stop coming for me, so I'm going to blow up. Very your confusing. Like he's like mad that they went back to the other dimension. I don't know. Vague reasoning. And then what does he build? What is he doing? So I don't here, even remember. here's here's a quick rundown of everything. Doom is happy on this planet. He's basically been taken over by what I again think is bacteria. I think it's a living, breathing planet essentially, mm. uh, just a colony and. He's been taken over by this, and they've been given human form because of this. So they use him. Uh, I think his mind's been manipulated. He's lost his mind because he's survived there for so long. Uh, They asked him how he survives. He says, and I quote, You want to know how I survived? That place kept me alive, gave me strength, power. What kind of power? The kind men like you must never possess. I don't... There, that it doesn't tell me anything. Nope. That's the exact dialogue from the film. It also gave me a cape. Yeah. <laughs> Somehow. They gave me this dope ass Star Wars robe. Yeah. It really does seem like something a Jedi would wear. <laughs> it is. Uh, but like an evil one. Because <laughs> it's all tattered and singed. But anyway, so he like takes out all of the scientists and army guys and whatnot, except for our heroes, and then basically sets off that black hole thing that they had threatened earlier. It turns out to be the one thing that was planted that seems to be intentional. That if you do this interdimensional portal wrong, it can start a black hole that will consume Earth. And it starts doing so, but like at a comically slow rate. Like it just sort of starts like 
pulling twigs up and then like branches a couple and then trees. trees yeah and it's and the whole point here is that because they were going to come back and exploit his planet for superheroes that he says you want to ruin my world well then i'll ruin yours yeah right i guess and uh that and that's when reed is talking to him and trying to like figure this out because this doomsday machine has been created they can't get to him and i would like to read this dialogue because i feel like it's important uh, Victor says, you've opened a door, you don't know how to close, you don't know anything about what's coming. Reed says, what is coming? Doom. Oh, good. Thank God for that line by Dr. Doom. So they're trying to figure out how to, how to stop this stupid fucking portal thing that's yeah, pulling shit through. And They've at this point fallen through the portal into the other side. I, yeah, they're on. They're in the other dimension. And they all start beating him up. At which point we get the second time that Grimm says it's clobbering time. No, it's the first time he says it. God, I don't care anymore. This movie <laughs> is so bad. The ending of this is so chaotic. I, I'll just so you guys can get a better understanding because you're not watching it. It Doom shows up at the lab. Blows up scientists' heads, gets his revenge on uh, the Storm father, who oh, yeah. we he see dies. had just had a fight with uh, Johnny Storm. Of course he did, because they didn't get along. We mentioned that earlier. Uh, and he then dies. He dies with no good lines at the end. Nope. He just dies. He, he wasn't really basically. important. He wasn't important. He seems to be important, but he's not. Uh, so he dies. Doom then goes back to his planet creates this world-ending machine. The only thing I can describe as just a copy of Zod's world engine. Yeah. Yes, exactly. That's literally what it is. It's from yeah. three spires supporting a like ring of rock. Yeah. All of this is made of rock, by the way. Yeah, and it, it, it is. It's all made of rock, and then they start telecommuting, teleport. Like, he can just create a teleporter at this point. So it's a miracle that he even needed to go back on the teleporter and if you in the think, first if place. If you're sitting there listening to this thinking, what the fuck is going on? That's what we were That's thinking, what too. That's what we were doing. Okay, hey, this doesn't make any sense. He creates it. They try and fight him. They say, uh, Sue says the line, uh, none of us, what is it? Well, this is, also, while you're looking that up, this is also um, the point, and the only point of the movie where all of us laughed um, and it wasn't intentional, is Sue, uh, it might even be the line you're looking up, says something and, like, with a comedic beat, Miles Teller is, like, far away from the camera. He just goes, what? <laughs> <laughs> like a squawk. That's, I found out what she says. She says, he can defeat any of us. And then Reed says, but he can't defeat all of us. Yeah. Can't defeat so the fantastic So then of us. they come together. I wish he had said that. So then they come together and they throw Doom into his own machine, which somehow blows it up. And him. And yeah. him. He disintegrates. And only barely damages the world. And that's barely. literally it. Literally, like, the lumber industry has damaged the world more than it's Doom like, did with a super It's like teleporter. a tiny little meteor had just hit that one little spot on Earth, yeah. and then that it's was it. You know? Yeah. And that's literally, that's it. It just, they're done. Doom's dead. They're done. They go back. Whatever. They go back. It's, it's not, over. It's, it's not completely over, though, because they decide that they're going to be used, like, they're going to be used by the government to be this team, mm-hmm. right? Uh, this is important, guys. Because this entire time, we don't know what team 
they're going to be. We don't know what they're going to be called. There's things that are suggested like the big brain in her neurons. How about two guys, a girl, and the thing that nobody wanted? And then, you know, they, they have a moment to think back after they're like, we can't think of a name. And Sue says, hey. And Johnny says, hey, what? And then Reed replies with, we've come a long way since the garage. And the thing says, gotta say, that's fantastic. Wait. Reed, say that again? The thing, it's fantastic. Reed, yes, it is, guys. I got it. Ready? Johnny Storm. Yeah. Fantastic Four logo. Directed by Josh Trank, kind of. <laughs> End of the movie. Yeah, okay. That's it. Oh, God, I feel like I ran a marathon. <laughs> I know, my brain hurts. That is the end of the film. I feel like we just watched it again. Yes. Oh. But okay, in slow let's motion. just jump right to how could we have fixed this? Number one, don't make the damn movie. Number two, make just the one movie instead of the five that are here. Yeah, my suggestion... I think it would have been really cool if you stuck with the like the little bit of horror stuff. Yes. Like, just the horror and get rid of all the trash, like, the entire first half of the movie. So this movie was shot to be a... We've talked about it a little bit. It was shot to be a body horror film. It was shot to be a horror film. I mean, in theory, it really was. It was shot to be this realistic interpretation of how radiation could affect you but still give you abilities that can help you. Right? Essentially. Uh... What the producers did though is they didn't like it. They wanted they wanted more comedy. That was one of the things. They thought the lines weren't good enough. They thought it wasn't fun enough. Uh, they didn't like all the gloom, doom stuff. So they decided to go in and reshoot. And they did legitimately shoot what sound... Nobody knows for sure, except for the people who did it. Uh, it sounds like they probably shot around 40% of the film and they edited out even more. Uh, from what I've understood, the movie was way longer. It was about an hour longer. Is Oof. what I've heard. And I've heard conflicting oh, things. God. Some people say it was 30 minutes to an hour, like 30 minutes to an hour longer. So basically that range. Uh, that's a lot of movie. That's a shit ton of film to cut from something. We've even seen things like the Batman versus Superman Ultimate Edition, which they cut down for original theaters to make it more watchable for people just so it wasn't as long. That they added like 25 minutes and it drastically changes a lot of the film. It drastically adds to a lot of the film. When you cut out 30 minutes to an hour, you've cut out the film. Yeah. It's it's very easy to lose track of what you're doing. And there's the implication that all of the things that are in the movie now are the best parts? Like, these are the parts that you guys thought would work the best? That's the and thing. it's all just slapped together. Like, it doesn't really seem to make any sense. And they even had to throw in a whole one year later in the middle. This is going to be one of those films... I think down the line, it may seem like it'll be lost right now. I think we'll see Trank's version eventually. I think it Release will be the released. Trank cut. <laughs> I think it will be released. I think it won't be released for maybe like 20 years. I think it's going to be the Superman Donner cut all over again. Hmm. Donner was kicked off after filming Superman. He had filmed pretty much all the movie, like 90% of it. They kicked him off. They refilmed like 60% of it. Studios do this consistently, especially with superhero films, where they think they know better as producers, even though they had nothing to do with the creative process. They come in and they ruin the whole fucking thing. And this is a good example of what can happen when you mess with a film that is already made. Yes. It's like going into a book, tearing out a hundred pages, and just writing in your own stuff. Randomly at different points. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. And to give a a little bit of... (sighs) It's not just one set of people's fault. Apparently, the director, Josh Trank was kind of 
uh, a human scrotum. He was on impossible set. to work with. <laughs> yeah. is what I've heard. But here's the thing: they had already shot the film. I've heard them make that excuse. Simon Kimberg makes that excuse apparently, and I don't know why. Because you had already shot the damn film. You had done a test edit of it. Which means the film is done. Yeah. Let it be done. And there are Just plenty of movies that were made by assholes. Every movie is made by an asshole. Every single one of them. Either the producer or the director is an asshole. I don't care what film you're talking about. Jaws had one of the most chaotic productions ever in a film's history. Everyone hated each other. It won an Oscar. Yeah. It's something that happens. But... I, I don't know. This is just one of those things. It just proves that like when Hollywood messes with it, it's like Solo. Solo was a fucking train wreck because they refilmed 60% of it. Uh, yeah, so... But yeah, that's... In the end, don't watch this movie. No. It, God, it, don't. it was kind of fun for us watching it. Like, we were heckling it. Um, but, like, I don't know. If you really want to do that... Watch the first half. Once they hit one year later, turn it off. I wouldn't even say watch the first half. I would say what we could do is we can try and see if we can find a YouTube video that has all the body horror stuff in it. i just put that up. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Here's the movie. And that way we can show you guys some of the stuff we're talking about so you can see it quickly and you don't have to worry about seeing the actual film or wasting your if own you time. If you want to watch it, bring a lot of alcohol. You want yes. the real truth? If you want to watch a more fun Fantastic Four movie, just watch the one from the early 2000s. It's more fun. It's more enjoyable, if nothing else. Yeah. Johnny Storm's first appearance is making out with a girl while he's riding riding a motorcycle and she's driving a car next to him. It starts high adrenaline and it never stops. So that was Fant for Stick. <laughs> Thanks We're for all listening. mad about it. <laughs> this was Attack of the 50 Foot Podcast. Yeah. You can like us on Twitter and follow us to our cars. Yeah. Do that. Don't do that. <laughs> That's scary. Um, Don't do that. You can find us anywhere you listen to podcasts. So pick one and click play. Yeah. And leave us a review because we like that and we want to hear what you think. And yep. Yeah. All Thanks. Right. Signing off. Signing off. Goodbye. That's Allie. That's me. That's Robert. This is me. Cameron. That guy. And. Bye. <laughs>